The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. All right, everyone, thanks for joining us for another Real Health Podcast. I'm your host today, Dr. Lucas Timms, board-certified naturopathic oncologist here at the Reardon Clinic. And I'm very excited for our guest today. Uh, we have with us Dr. Julie Babcock, who is a biological dentist, uh, is in private practice here in the Kansas City area, so not far from our clinic. Um, she's been in practice for 23 years, so has a lot of experience, and she happens to be a board member of the, uh, of the International Academy of Oral and Medical Toxicology, which is a huge um, group of dentists and other medical professionals that, that look at toxins um, and, and um, env environmental toxicity as it relates to dental and medical issues. So, Dr. Babcock, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's good to, have, good to be here. Thank you. Um, so Dr. Babcock and I have, um, have known each other for a little bit, um, and uh, I thought it'd be a great um, introduction for you just to give us a little bit. I've heard this story, but for you to give our listeners a little bit of a, um, a narrative on your background and how you came to biological or holistic dentistry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was a I was a normal dentist. I graduated dental school in 1996, knowing that mercury was perfectly safe and non-toxic and root canals were meant for everybody. And I practiced that way for many, many years until I, I had a good friend who was doing more um, holistic medical care, functional medicine with some of his patients and realizing that they were they had mercury toxicity issues and heavy metal issues and he tried to talk me into going to learn how to remove mercury safely for a couple of years. And I drug my feet for a long time. I thought it was ridiculous because that's what I was taught. And then I looked at this organization, the IAOMT group, and their next meeting was in Puerto Rico in February. And I thought, now that is a meeting I can go to. I can spend some time on the beach. But when I got there, I didn't spend any time on the beach because I was blown away by the information that I learned. It was about the mercury, the ozone, fluoride. Uh, root canals and the harms that they can cause. And these were all things over about a three-day period that completely blew my mind, changed everything that I believed and thought. And then I figured out that once you know something, you can't unknow it. And so I came back to my practice and tried to tell my staff all this great stuff that I learned and they were not as well receiving as I was hoping. So I said, okay, let's just focus on the idea that mercury is toxic. That's not a stretch. And let's just take care of our own health, let's take care of our patient's health. And what happened when I, when I joined this group and I started removing mercury safely, my whole practice changed over. My current patients left and new ones came in and 
they were an amazing bunch of people to work with because they had a whole new level of care about their own personal health. And so it was, it's been fantastic working with this new group of people who some are ill, some just don't want to be sick and they just want a different level of care. And I am happy to provide it. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's, it's, you know, I, when you were talking and when I've heard this story before, I almost envision like the, uh, you know, Dorothy going to Oz and pulling back the, uh, the curtain on the wizard. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, once you, once you see what's really going on behind the scenes, it, uh, it's hard to unsee it, like you said. And so, um, I credit you and, and all the, the dentists and, and doctors who have, you know, converted over, um, when it comes to looking at health differently, uh, from more of yeah, a holistic standpoint. For sure. And, you know, a lot of the ones I give credit to are the ones that went before me. I mean, 20, 25 years ago, the people doing what I'm doing right now had their licenses at risk and some of them lost their license. And we weren't doing anything that weird. We're just saying, hey, you know, there's a problem with mercury and maybe a root canal doesn't belong in every person's mouth and fluoride just might be toxic. It's not that. Yeah, yeah. You you weren't making any major uh, revelations there uh, or they shouldn't have been taken that way. No, Uh, but, but some of these guys lost their licenses for that. And I'm thankful for those that went before and, and, uh, you know, what, what happened though, is eventually these state boards tried suing these guys and they kept losing. And so they just kind of started leaving us alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good thing because, um, there's, there's a lot of connection, which we'll get into between the, the, the toxic practices and in general dentistry and overall health. And, um, and I don't think a lot of people realize that they kind of maybe see the, the dental health as sort of a separate issue from the rest of the body. Well, dentists um, certainly do. I mean, we're taught that this is the mouth and it is not really connected to anything else. I don't ever remember a lecture about that in dental school or in all of my CE classes. We never talk about anything other than just the teeth. Yeah. Well, you touched a little bit on some of these, um, you know, general dentistry practices that maybe aren't so good for us. Um, tell us, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about why mercury's and, and why mercury and things like root canals could maybe lead to, to problems down the road for not just the oral health, but the whole health. Yeah. Well, mercury is what the most toxic substance known to man outside of radioactive plutonium. I think it's, it's incredibly toxic and it takes such a tiny, tiny amount. And when you put it in the mouth and you continually chew on it and brush it and eat on it, it just, it completely, it continues to off gas, you know, and we were taught that once that mercury is mixed with that powder and it's in the tooth and set up in part, it would no longer off gas. That is absolutely not true. It's been proven over and over again. So it's this constant exposure. And, you know, my belief is that some people walking around out there with a mouthful of mercury fillings, they're okay. Their bodies can, talk, can detox this stuff. And, you know, a, a lot of people, they're, they're good. But some people, you put one mercury filling in their mouth and it makes them sick. Or in my case, not really putting them in so much, but removing them. The amount of vapor that is created when we, when we put a high-speed drill on that and it starts coming out, it's what you breathe in is what the problem. And that's not just harmful for the patient in terms of a re-exposure, but harmful for the dentist and the other staff oh, that are there as well. Absolutely. I mean, we've all heard these stories about dentists have these high suicide rates. Well, I don't believe it's because we're a bunch of miserable people. I believe it's because we're a bunch of toxic people and we have a lot of mental issues. And when I look around at dentists, including my own dad with dementia is a handshake that 
and I have what at least two friends that are that have died of suicide. I've got one in prison from homicide, all dentists, and you know, I believe wow. it's all mercury related. I, I yeah, and and the connection there for the people listening that might not be um, aware is there's these general dentists that are not board, you know, board certified and trained and done all the extra training that you have that are unsafely removing these or trying to remove these these mercury fillings, correct? Correct. Well, when they they remove it and then they, they then they become toxic, the patient's toxic and then you know, they can remove a mercury filling in a room and then you can be the next patient coming in. And if they just removed a mercury filling in there, those vapors are still there. It's in the walls, it's in the ceiling, it's in the chair, it's everywhere. There's like a butterfly effect. It doesn't just affect yeah. the person that has the, the actual filling. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. And it's, it's spread all over the place. And that's why practices like yours that are really up to date and, and, and doing the safest mercury removal possible, you guys are in hazmat suits with yeah. all kinds of you know suction and, and certain very specific high-grade ventilation systems going on. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that level of safety that you guys have at your clinic. Yeah, well, it's a lot. I mean, I, I recently moved into an, a building that I just renovated, and my main motivation was to build a room where that's all we do is remove mercury. We do everything else outside. We get all gowned up and all of our stuff on, and then we go into this room, and all you can see is one tooth sticking out, and that's it. <laughs> we yeah. remove the mercury, and then we get out of there as quick as we possibly can, and then finish any other work that we have to do. But that's ventilated to the outside. Plus, I have four different sections going, tons of water, all kinds of. I've got Should... wipes and some things that also can neutralize the mercury. Yeah, the, yeah, the level of of. Uh detail in terms of making sure that everyone involved in that process is safe. I, I really appreciate that. I know that there's few and far between practices that do it the right way. Like you guys do. Right. Um, how do, how do people find holistic dentists, biological dentists like you that do that the right way? How, how what's the best way for them to locate those types of practices? Um, really going through the IAOMT. Mm-hmm. So it's IAOMT.org. You can go in there as a, as a patient and you can find a dentist in any state. So it's, it can be nationally very. So, so they're not everywhere, but there's enough of them out there now where most people, you know, can, can, you know, maybe at most a couple hour drive to find one. Right. Right. I've got people driving to me. I would say every day I've got somebody coming at least two hours to, to do just something a little bit different like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and talk a little bit about, I mean, does everyone that has a metal filling, does everyone need to get those removed or like, where's that tipping point? Cause like you said earlier, some people might have a, a mouth full of them, but you know, they're doing okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you come to, if you're 80 years old, you come to me with a mouthful of mercury fillings and you're perfectly healthy. I'm not going to discuss removing your mercury fillings because they're mercury. If they have decay or some other reason that might be, you know, make some sense, but you know, that person is obviously detoxing okay, and I'm not going to mess with them. Right. Then on the other end of the spectrum, if I have somebody come to me and they're really sick and they look sick and they're, they've got autoimmune or cancer or something like that, I'm not going to remove it on them either. Not until I've got an okay from somebody like you who's going to tell me it's safe because if the body is not able to detox it, then we're going to be in trouble. And even with all of the precautions that I take, and it's a lot, there's still going to be some mercury exposure for everybody involved. Yeah. 
very important that you get the, um, like you said, the detox pathways, the pathways of elimination, because the goal is not just to recirculate toxins. It's actually to get them out of the body. Right. And, you know, our, our emunctories or our pathways of elimination, our sweat, our urine, our stool, our breath, we need to make sure that all those things are running well, like you said, before you do that, that safe removal. Right. Otherwise, it's not so safe. So I'm very careful when I meet somebody and I interview them. We talk a lot about that and where they are with their health. And sometimes I say, hey, you're not ready yet. You need to go right. with a naturopath or somebody that can get you ready. And then we'll work at the pace that, I'm, you know, that we agree. There's a lot more to this conversation, and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Biocenter Laboratories. The Biocenter Laboratory provides state-of-the-art lab testing and diagnostic services for healthcare providers, laboratories, hospitals, and the general public. Lab tests available through Biocenter include a comprehensive list of vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, hormones, and pyrroles. They also provide a variety of standardized tests for disease markers. These markers include cardiovascular disease, diabetes, thyroid dysfunction, hormone imbalance, and more. Visit biocenterlab.org to learn more. Talk a little bit about root canals, because I think there's a lot of, you know, chatter out there, especially, you know, I'm, I work with a lot of cancer patients, and I have some patients that come to me and they say, well, I've heard that 98% of cancers are caused by root canals. And, you know, there's these yeah. statistics that get tossed out there, but what's your take on root canals well, and the dangers and- Yeah, and well, there's definitely uh, correlations to it. It's basically having a chronic infection in your body all the time. And I think even the, the most well done root canal is gonna have that issue. But the difference is that your body might be able to deal with it just like the mercury and somebody else's may not. So when you're doing a root canal, basically what you're doing is you're taking the nerve out of the tooth and the nerve is in a kind of a canal and that is pretty easily cleaned out and then filled. The problem is, is that the, the rest of the root structure is full of all these little tubules, um, just thousands of trillions of them. And in these little tubules, these bacteria continue to live because we can't get to it to clean it out and sterilize the area. So that will live right there. And then that surrounds the root, the root of the tooth, this chronic infection, the toxins coming out from the tooth. And so sometimes these aren't painful. Like I saw a patient earlier this morning and he has, I think I found six infected root canals in him and none of them hurt. They're draining. They're, they're just, they're not always aware. I mean, sometimes you have this big, bad toothache and you know, there's a problem, but sometimes it's a hidden issue. Yeah, almost almost a better situation if there's some sort of a, a symptom or a pain or something where they're alerted to it. But oftentimes these things can be festering or more occult type infections where there's not, you know, the alarm bells aren't going off. Right. But right. they're causing chronic inflammation and chronic possible immune dysfunction. Sure. And I have to say that in, in the more naturally minded people that, that I see and that, that you're probably seeing, too, is they'll they'll notice there's something wrong maybe a little a little drain or something next to a tooth and it doesn't hurt and so they're using their oils and they're using you know whatever they can and it gets better and then it comes back and it gets better and it comes back and what they're thinking is that they're doing something with it but it's not it's still chronically infected it's just draining right so if you notice anything like that around your tooth it needs to be checked out and because you can't that nerve is dead. And when the nerve is dead, you can't get blood flow to it. You can't get blood flow to it. It isn't going to heal. 
So do all root canals need to be, you know, basically taken out and cleaned out? I know you use a lot of ozone in your practice. Talk, yeah. talk through some of the ways in which root canals can be mitigated or remediated. Yeah. So if somebody, you know, it's very individual. It depends on yeah, the age of the patient, the how infected the tooth is, how long it's been infected um, and how healthy the person is. It's a, I, I believe it's a, you know, everybody's different. And I, in my office, I'm like, look, we got a gut check going on here because we've got either a bad choice or a bad choice. Having a root canal is a bad choice. Having an extraction is another bad choice. So we just got to pick the less bad choice for each person. Right. And I would say if there's a cancer issue going on, an autoimmune situation going on, the two should come out. I don't think that's much of a, much of a, for me, that's not much of a discussion. Right. Yeah. Right. So if I do have, I do have some patients in my practice with some, um, what I would call healthy looking root canals. I can't see anything, even with a 3D, you know, cone beam, everything looks good. We can do some preventive ozone injections around that a few times a year. It'll just get in and really clean out that area and make sure there's no bacteria escaping. Yeah. I know you love ozone as much as I do, maybe more. Um, (laughs) And uh, it is a lot of people I don't think understand, you know, it's used in a lot of, uh, you know, medical sterilization. It truly does kind of mow down all pathogens when it comes to viruses, bacteria, fungus, uh, and it it calms down inflammation. So when you've got that sort of an issue going on with an occult infection or a dental issue that's deeper rooted, boy, ozone just seems like such a no brainer, right? Why is it not used? Why is it not used more? You can't patent it and charge for it. (laughs) So I, I don't know. It's really sad that it's not being used in dentistry. I've, I've had it now for about six years and I couldn't, I couldn't practice without it. I use it for a couple of my main things I use it for is after any extractions are done, I have the patient come straight back to me and I inject ozone gas down in that fresh socket. And that gets in, you know, the bone and that entire area where that was. And then we'll use ozonated olive oils to use topically from that point, you know, during the healing process. The other main way I use it is for after I do a cavity, once I get in there and I dig out all that hay, there's still bacteria deep into those same tubules, just like that was in the, in the roots. And they can live down there and they can cause more decay later. It can irritate the nerve, kill a nerve. So I get the decay out and then I take some ozone gas and just flow it down into that little hole, that cavity hole right before I fill it. And I can tell you, I was doing that for about three months in the very, very beginning. And I didn't really understand what, I, you know, what was going on, but I got a phone call from my root canal specialist that I almost exclusively refer to. And he's a really good guy, but he called me after three months and he said, Hey, are you mad at me? Like, no, well, I haven't seen any of your patients for about three months. I thought, ah, interesting. I think it's probably the ozone I'm using. So it's so rare. I can't say it never happens, but for me to have a, you know, a deep filling or crown prep or something like that, that then ends up needing a root canal or tooth coming out because of infection is extremely rare. And I give all the credit to ozone. Yeah. And, and talk about preventative medicine. I think a lot of people, you know, may, um, you know, look at what you do as like, well, that's, you know, that's, if I really have a serious problem, I'll go see that type of a dentist, but this is, this is for everybody. This is proactive. This is preventative. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my career I've done a basic filling, just something not even deep, just no big deal. And they come back in a week and they've got a toothache and something, it died, the tooth died. And now they need a root canal. That just doesn't happen anymore. I can't remember the last time I had that happen. 
So it's, it's very preventive. And, you know, if I caught early, I can use a high dose ozone on a, on an early cavity. If it's deep into the tooth and into the, you know, more into that layer of the dentin, then it doesn't work so much, but there's some areas I can use ozone um, and stop a cavity. Yeah, I love that. I mean, ozone, I, you know, I call it magic gas, but uh, it, it really yeah. does have so it's, so, it's such a versatile tool. Uh, we use it, obviously, in our practice IVs and other types of injections, but um, yeah, sure. And we use it in it. the dental, the dental setting makes so much sense. Oh, for sure. And then also for any like, gum disease, when we're doing cleanings, uh, we use, we put this, this ozone down in the gum pockets where it kills what it needs to kill. And we ozonate all of our water. So everything coming through our lines is, is, is heavily ozonated. And so, you know, during COVID, we worked in here and we had no issues of COVID issues at all because we we're using ozonated water in the mouth. And we've got ozone in the air because we're using it all the time. Right. And we all stayed very healthy. Your, your clinic was probably one of the safest places to be. Um, yeah, probably. My <laughs> uh, aerosols were safe, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I think that's great. Talk a little bit, maybe we'll, we'll leave the listeners here, maybe with a few tips or tricks, things you may recommend your patients do more, maybe on the home care side, things you can do to really make sure that you keep your dental health um, uh, optimized. Yeah. Okay. So one of the, the, the main things I work with my patients on is keeping their gums really clean. And some of it's a little bit counterintuitive. So I always say when you're brushing, you want to try to make your gums bleed. Now, you don't want to be using like a Brillo pad or anything, but if you're using a regular soft toothbrush or an electric toothbrush, you want to really, really work on the gums. And if you see bleeding, that is your body telling you that there is a problem. You need to continue to work on that and keep that super clean. I've had a lot of patients come in and they're like, oh, no, I can't brush them my gums because they bleed. And I'm like, no, if they bleed, brush them more. So I... That is counterintuitive because I think you hear a lot of the opposite from the traditional general dentist, right? Well, I've, I've heard all kinds of weird things from other dentists about being more careful on the gums. And I'm like, no, you, what you want to do is create a callus, kind of like the bottoms of your feet at the end of the summer. The stronger and firmer your gums are, the healthier they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll come as a maybe a new concept to a lot of people listening. So well, it does. I mean, I mean, subconsciously, we don't want to hurt ourselves, and if it's tender like that, you're not going to let the bristles go down onto the, you know, the gums because right. it hurts, and we don't really want to make ourselves bleed, so we do tend to avoid that stuff. And so it makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. The stronger and, the stronger you can get that tissue, the healthier yeah. it's going to be. And interestingly enough, the most common place I see a lot of plaque buildup is right down here on the lower teeth under the lip. So I'll actually tell people to pull their lip out like this and brush and it feels weird. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know I was missing that spot. That's, that's new for me. I, I need to start doing that. Yeah. Um, well, if you think about it too, when you're brushing, this is easy. When you right. go this way, that's awkward and weird. And so it's, you have to intentionally get some of those areas that you think would be easy right there in the front. What do you think about some of the like uh, mainstream uh, products that are out there in terms of toothpaste and mouthwashes. Are you a fan of people using just the regular, you know, uh, stuff that you buy at, at the big box store or are there better, yeah, no. or better products out there? Full of chemicals and fluoride and all that stuff. So no, I don't think any of that stuff's any good. I think the whitening stuff is almost all gimmicky. Um, I don't think any of it's going to be strong enough to actually create a whitening effect. I've even seen whitening floss. I think that's kind of self-explanatorily ridiculous. 
Um, so I like the more natural products. Charcoal toothpaste are great. There are some other remineralizing toothpaste. Ours is, a, we use Risewell here. The hydroxyapatite, right? Yeah, yeah. Those can be really, really good. And um, Which in market. my, what I've seen, correct me if I'm wrong, has actually in the research has shown to be just as effective, if not more effective than fluoride, correct? Right, right. And with fluoride, you know, there is there is a topical effect. If you're using fluoride in a toothpaste, there is a topical effect. The problem is it's a systemic effect that goes along with it that we don't want to add to the add to it. Right. Actually a harmful systemic effect. Very, yeah. You know, so many dentists believe that fluoride's a nutrient. It's like a it's like a they actually make fluoride supplements, if you can believe it. The body does not need that. It does not. It does not belong in any biochemical process yeah. at all. And this is that approach we tend to see in a lot of medical uh, models is that, you know, we we look for a benefit despite its risk in other areas, you know. And so we say, oh, well, you know, we've we prevented this, you know, this cavity. But, but now, know, our effect, work very well. now <laughs> your thyroid's wrecked and your, meta, your metabolic health is all over the place. So, right. Um, right. Yeah, that's. Uh, we know that story. Um, one last thing I want to ask you about, maybe a quick comment on oil pulling. What are, you, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, the coconut oil pulling can be, I think that's the best. There's the chemical, you remind me of the name, that acid, the... Hydroxyapatite? No, it's in oh. the coconut oil. Oh, the, uh, yeah. Um, Undesilic acid. Yeah, yeah, that can be really good. It's antibacterial, kills the strep mutans, which is the bacteria in the mouth that causes decay. So yeah, really good stuff to yeah. keep that in there in your mouth. And, and that's something that people can do daily, a few minutes. Oh, yeah. I've got some people that do it 20 minutes a day. They love it. Feels great. Yeah. And, you know, there's just do it for a few minutes a day. But no, no harm in it. Absolutely none. Good, good. Yeah. Well, Dr. Babcock, thank you so much for all this extremely valuable knowledge. Um, I think this is really going to be a great episode for our listeners. And thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.